Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Good morning, everybody. Just to warn you in advance, I'm an emotional wreck after two weekends of weddings. <laughs> I don't know if my heart can handle another wedding. And there's one coming up in November, and it's my son. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> It should be interesting. I was privileged to be asked by them to perform the ceremony. Please be praying for me now. <laughs> um, I mean, I was emotional at everyone else's weddings, and then they saw that, and they still asked me, so it'll be, it should be fun to see how things go. Um, I hope you're prepared to hear from the Lord this morning. Um, you know, as I prepared for this morning, this is so personal and where we live, um, and yet it's a constant problem. Um, I, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but how many of you tend to worry over things? <laughs> I heard the gasps. <laughs> we we kind of tend to worry about stuff. We let stuff kind of get in our hearts and our minds, and... Uh, we fret over it. There's an older word we don't hear often, fret, right? But it, it can ruin our day, can it? Um, so hopefully, this morning, you will be open to God's solution. Uh, at least within this particular text, there's, there's even more that deals with worry. Uh, but before we begin, um, we've got to look to the Lord, ask Him to quiet our heart, quiet our mind, and be prepared to listen to Him and hear from Him. So pray with me, please. Father, as we humble ourselves before an all-powerful, almighty God, Lord, we know that you love us, that you care for us, that you have our best at heart in all things, and Lord, that you've provided the instruction we need, the guidance we require uh, to live a life that will honor you, glorify you, that will lift your name higher to those around us to see the difference you make in a life. Father, I pray that this morning as we open your word, Lord, that you will take those cares that our people have walked in here with and just bury them back there somewhere. Lord, that you'll quiet hearts, quiet minds, so that the Holy Spirit's voice will be crystal clear. Lord, that you will equip us to live in such a way where you're honored, you're glorified, you're magnified in our lives, and that the unsaved world will see a difference. And Lord, that we'll have opportunities to share the hope that we have. Lord, we thank you, we praise you for who you are, for how you work, and for what you're about to do in our lives through the reading, hearing, and teaching of your word. We humble our hearts in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen Jesus use chapter 5 and chapter 6 to challenge our thinking. To say that we naturally don't do those things that God would have us to do. That our natural tendency is to do something completely different. 
There are countless things that God has a specific opinion on, and for some reason, we don't see them the way he sees them. Earlier, at the beginning of our study, we went to Isaiah 55, 8, and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I think we read that, and we just kind of go, oh yeah, that's true, and we kind of move on. Do, do we call into question the decisions we make on a regular basis? Do we compare them to Christ's word? Do we take every thought captive and think, is this what Christ would have me do? Is this what God would want for my life? I think sometimes we live so reactively that we kind of get caught up in the moment that I've got to make a decision, I've got to have this happen. And we just kind of move through the motions of, you know, I'm a godly person, I, I trust God, and we think that it's just going to kind of happen okay. But God wants us to acknowledge him in all things. Um, my son just bought a car, and that was an interesting journey. He had a particular kind of make and model that he wanted initially, and we looked at several. And after looking at several that all had problems, he moved on to something else. Praise the Lord. <laughs> the last one was the, the, the clincher. We were driving it around, and all of a sudden, it looked like the head gasket blew. There was more smoke than I've seen in a very long time. <laughs> It was like, let's turn around and go back to the dealer. And so he finally made a decision at that point. It was like, I'm done with this particular brand. And he moved on. And uh, God provided something else. But all throughout that, we continued to pray. Because it's like, we can make decisions, and they can be horrible, horrible decisions. We can make decisions, they can be decent decisions. But how do you know? We've got to include the Lord in all of them. Some people think, oh, well, you know, there's, there's important stuff and then there's not so important stuff, so we'll include God in the important stuff and the unimportant stuff, it doesn't matter. I disagree. I believe every element to our life, especially as a believer, is important. And it's valuable and vital to include the Lord in those decisions because that's what provides confidence for me. When I've prayed about something and I'm convinced that God is moving me, even when stuff falls apart, I'm confident that, well, this is where God has me and what we're doing and where we're going. And in this challenge, God wants to be glorified and honored and seen. So we, we've got to just stop thinking, well, you know, my ways are not like God's ways. We've got to turn our ways into God's ways. We've got to change our ways. And that's sometimes where we get challenged. Because we like our ways, don't we? They're comfortable, they're easy, they're natural. You know, it's very challenging sometimes to change our ways and trade them for God's ways. But we also have to remember our focus of our study for this summer. Jesus' way is the only way to live God's way, which is the best way. It's not naturally my way, but I choose today to exchange my way for Jesus' way. I was working on a wrap, but it just didn't come together. Sorry. I know you're all disappointed. <laughs> oh, I don't think I have the energy this morning to do it anyway, even if I had it finished. But we have got to trade our natural thinking 
for God's way of thinking in all areas. There, there's nothing that's exempt. Now, if you've talked to me about different things, you've heard me talk about four basic needs that we have, right? Love, acceptance, worth, and security. And those are needs that God has designed into our life because He's a God of relationship and He's a God of love. And, and He wants to move in our lives. The problem is, is when we feel that those needs are not being met. That we step in and we try to have those needs met in our own ways or the ways that we think they should be met. And that's when we have problems. That's when we have trouble. Because first, the worry starts. When we don't feel loved, we try to do something to help us feel loved. When we don't feel accepted, we try to do things that make us feel accepted. When we don't feel like we have value, we try to do things that provide value in our lives. And we, when we are insecure, we do crazy things to try to bring security. And as that happens, that's when we get all charged up about how are we going to get love, acceptance, worth, security, whatever. And then maybe we'll get it or feel it, and then we worry about how are we going to keep it? How are we going to maintain this? And then when we kind of get there, then the next step is, what would happen if I lose this? And we get so concerned and so wrapped up in trying to make these things happen that we're not listening to God at all. We're not even trying to hear His voice. We're just concerned with keeping all this stuff going. And worry becomes our focus. Because we've taken on everything. We've taken on the burden. We've taken on the responsibility. We've taken on everything there is into life. And we've excluded God completely. And He's so patient and so kind and so loving. And He will bring things into our life that will try to bring our focus to Him, raise our gaze to Him. And He is so patient to just continue to do that until we finally get to that place where we throw our hands up and go, what am I doing? And we look to Him. I don't know about you, but I don't like worry. <laughs> I don't want it to be a part of my life. There's so, much, so many more other things I can be doing with my time than worrying. So let's look at the first thing. Worry remover number one. Finding your value in Christ. I don't know about you, but a lot of people struggle with value. Their personal value. And they try to have that need met in so many crazy ways. Um, if you have your Bible, we're in Matthew 6. We're looking at verses 25 to 34. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a pew Bible there. It's page 117. We'll start there anyway. But verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, 
yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Do you understand your value to Christ? To how God sees you and understands you and interprets you? I don't think we do oftentimes. I mean, we come to salvation and we start to grow and we get so consumed with becoming a good Christian, becoming a good person, and having needs met and moving through this life that we forget about God's relationship with us, what he wants to accomplish, what he wants to do. He wants a deep, intimate relationship. Personal. I mean, that's, you know, yesterday, that's one thing I, I so appreciated about the wedding. It was so personal. It was so intimate. It was so obvious of what was going on there. You couldn't help but see it. Nick loved Michelle. Michelle loves Nick. And you, you'd have to be completely not paying attention to not see that. We are the church. We are God's bride. And, and we need to be reflecting that same love to God. And it needs to be obvious. It needs to be crystal clear. Because the world has so much going on that if we're not crystal clear, they're going to miss it. They're not going to see it. They're not even going to comprehend it. And that's why we need to move closer to God. And our relationship needs to get deeper and more intimate with him. And that's where we struggle. Because that requires us to get into his love letter. These are his words to us. We cannot neglect it. We cannot discard it. We cannot just let it sit and use it once a week. These are his words. And the, the cool part of who God is is they're, they're his words to every single one of you individually. He knows you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And these words are for you specifically. They're not just general words to a people. They're not just meaningless. They're intentional, chosen specifically through specific men of God, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit to talk to you today. And sometimes we just look at the Bible and think, ah, oh, it's a collection of stories, it's just some history, it's just some poetry. And we treat it less than holy. The Word was made flesh, right? That's who Christ was. So let's read the Word. Get into the word, but more importantly, let it get into us. We've got to let it get into us and change us and transform us. And as you do, you will start to understand your value to God. Your value can't be found in food, can't be found in drink, can't be found in clothing. And, and the focus I see here is these are external things. These are physical outward things. And we, we can't do stuff physically and outwardly that is going to 
enable us to feel value. We can't. God can change that, though. Philippians 4, 6. Again, another challenge. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. I mean, it doesn't get more clear than that, right? Don't worry. Yet, we do. We've got to transform our minds, right? By the renewing, let the word renew our mind. John Owen has this thought for us to consider. The greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to Him, is to not believe that He loves you. See, our view of who God is and what He's trying to do in our life makes a huge difference in how we live. Because if we think God's just out there to ding us, right? He's just kind of waiting up there with that spiritual two-by-four. Oh, he messed up. Bam. Oh, she messed up again. Bam. We start to live that way. And that is not who God is. That is not his desire at all. He provides opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for us to respond right, for us to do well. He provides everything we need that pertains to life and godliness to equip us to do well. And then when we neglect that and discard it, we blame him for life going wrong. Why is that? Because we don't understand who God truly is. And our relationship isn't where it needs to be at all. God is so much more than that. Now, let's say you're out walking along and you find this beautiful diamond just lying in the grass. That would be kind of cool, right? Pick up the diamond, but is it really a diamond? Or is it just one of these new CZs they have out there that looks really good? Yeah, you don't know. So what do you do, right? You go to the jeweler. Because he's supposed to be the authority. You submit the diamond to the, the jeweler and say, what's it worth? So he takes it out and he does his little thing, and he says, oh, I'd say this particular diamond's worth $10,000. Woo, hallelujah, right? $10,000 diamond, I just found the grass. So if you put that diamond on one side of a scale, what do you need to do to have a balanced scale? Put $10,000 on it, right? Exactly. Value for value is what balances the scale. $10,000 diamond... $10,000 worth of whatever, cash, other gemstones, etc. Now, let's say you want to figure out your value, and you put yourself on that same scale. What would you have to put on the other side to understand what your value is? Now, God cares about us, and God wants us to know what our value is, so Jesus shows up to help us out. So here we have our tip scale. We're over here. And we're trying to figure out, okay, what's our value? Jesus shows up and says, I am, right? And he jumps on the scale. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Most people think, Whoop! Jesus gets on the scale and we go flying, right? Catapulted into because God's, Christ's value is so much more. 
but it's not in the Father's eyes. That was the price that was paid for you, for me. Jesus Christ. As God looks at us, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, our value. Because our life is Christ's life, isn't it? The life we now live is his. But are we living the same way Christ lived? That's the challenge. That's what our value is, and that's the value we have to understand. And that's the confidence we need to have. It's in Christ. Because of Christ, that's who I am to God. Because of Christ, that's how I can live. My value, seen by God, is Christ. The world will devalue you continually to extort whatever their needs of the physical are, which will rob you of your true value. It happens all the time. It happens every day. But you must come to the place where you find all of your value in Christ. This world can't touch us. Yet we let it in and we let it rob us continually of our value. All right, warrior remover number two. Strengthen your faith in Christ. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Are you strengthening your faith? Are you walking by faith? Are you living by faith today? Last week? Last month? I mean, I know, I understand. It's easy to let life live you. It's easy to let the alarm go off and get up and go through the motions and get ready and do your thing and all day long it happens and then you come back, collapse in a chair, have dinner, go to bed, and it starts again tomorrow. That's easy. But that's not the plan. That's not God's design. Living by faith is what he calls us to. Looking for him, listening for him, seeing him show up over and over and over again. It's interesting. My, my daughter keeps happening upon accidents. She's not part of them. She doesn't cause them. But she shows up just after them. Because she's probably one of the most calm people I see in a crisis. People are screaming, yelling, and upset, and she comes in, she makes sure they're safe, she makes sure they're secure until EMTs show up. I see God working through her as she faithfully chooses to walk in his ways. It's a great example. It's a great challenge for me. I tend to be a little emotionally charged to things. It's just who I am. God's made me passionate. <laughs> I embrace it often, unfortunately. Is Christ supplying your need 
every day? Or are you trying to accomplish that? Think about it. Don't, don't just dismiss it. Is Christ supplying your need every day? Are you counting on him? Are you trusting him? Are you looking for him? Or are you just living life? Because it's easy to do. I just don't want you to, to keep going that way. I want to be throwing the flags going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Christ has so much more. And he does. Life can be so much more exciting, so much more fun, so much more interesting when we live it according to Christ's design. Otherwise, it's just like boring days that kind of add on to boring days that add on to boring days, and it's not so fun. And we can tend to worry. Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. See, faith in him transforms. Faith in him changes. Faith in him empowers. That's a cool way to live. It's an awesome way to live. Dressing for success will not strengthen your faith. Faking it until you make it will not strengthen your faith. Reliance upon Jesus is the only thing that will strengthen your faith. And faith is strengthened sometimes moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year, month by month. You've got to be in it for the long haul. You've got to be worthy. <laughs> and we are in Christ. But we've got to put ourselves out there. We've got to make it happen. 1 Timothy 4.12 Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So young people, don't wait. Don't wait until you're in college. Don't wait until you're adult married. Be an example now. Grow your faith now. Because you can be so far ahead of the game. Wise beyond your years when you trust Christ to guide your life and walk in faith. Hebrews 10.38 Now the just shall live by... Oh man, that was lame! The just shall live by... Better. The just shall live by... Ah, there we go. I believed you that time. (laughs) The just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Want to please God? Easy. Live by faith. It's that simple. It's right there. Yet we struggle. Oh, how do I please God? Oh, what am I going to do to please God? Will this please God? Is it in faith? Yeah, it'll please Him. Hebrews 11.13 These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. I mean, think about it. We have the finished word of God. They didn't. And all this stuff was ahead of them. God's people, right? Messiah was coming up. All these things were coming up. The New Testament was coming up. Yet they had faith. Faith that it was going to happen. Faith that these things were going to take place. And we need to adopt that same depth of faith. 
trusting God that, you know what, we can't see it. That's where we struggle. We like to see it. We like to feel it. We like to touch it. <laughs> I know somebody like that. They want to make sure it's real. They want to feel what it feels like. And I can appreciate that. But it's not going to strengthen our faith. I mean, think about it. Would you, if you had Moses' staff, just start walking in the water? I mean, I think about that from time to time. Would I, would I just kind of have the faith that just kind of start walking in? and, Or would I be like kind of, okay, oh, it's still here. <laughs> it's still here. It's not separating. Living by faith is exciting. Living by faith will bring you to places you've never been before. Who doesn't want that? couple things. Generational comparisons. I didn't make a slide for this, so you'll just have to listen. Sorry. You'll have to live by faith. Baby boomers, which the, this particular index gives, if you were born in, from 46 to 64, you're a baby boomer. Gen X, 65 to 79. And Gen Y, 80 to 94. All right, so that's, those are your distinctions today. Now, according to the topic of the future, baby boomers, their mindset is, it's ours, the future's ours. Gen X, the future stinks. And Gen Y, the future might not happen. These are mindsets. With relation to television, baby boomers, bonanza, love it. Gen, y, Gen X, I'm sorry, family ties was their mindset. Gen Y, oh, Jerry Springer's great. <laughs> I know, right? Understand, this is the world. This is not our demographic, I hope. <laughs> With respect to wealth, baby boomers, mindset is, I'll earn it. Gen X is, I don't care that much about it. Gen Y, gimme, or I'll take it. With respect to heroes or role models, baby boomers looked for men of character. Gen X looked for men and women of character. Gen Y asked, what's character? With respect to kids killing kids, baby boomers think it's unthinkable. Gen X says, well, it's possible. And Gen Y says, it's everywhere. Employment for teens. Baby boomers say, oh, it's hard to find. Gen X says, I'll work if I have to. And Gen Y says, hey, jobs are a dime a dozen. With respect to parents, baby boomers' focus was to try to please them. Gen X would try to put up with them. And Gen Y says, they're not around much. And we wonder why we have some of the problems we have. With respect to elders, baby boomers say, it's automatic. Of course we do that. Gen X says, well, it's a polite thing to do. And Gen Y says, just because they're older, well, I'm not respecting them. With respect to technology, right? We all love technology. 
Baby boomers are fairly ignorant. <laughs> Gen X are completely comfortable. And Gen Y are masters of technology. With respect to pornography, for baby boomers it was in movie theaters. For Gen X, it was in video stores. And for Gen Y, it's on TV or click away on the internet. The world looks to the wrong things. The world tries to have their needs met in different ways. The world worries about all kinds of stuff. And we are challenged to not live like the world, aren't we? <laughs> Clearly, understandably so. Final worry remover for this morning. Look at verse 31 with me. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Or today's trouble is enough for today is essentially what that means. Keep your focus on Christ. Not the world, not other things, not other people. Christ, he's our example. He's provided as our example. And that's where we must keep our focus. Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he cometh to God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's a qualifier there, right? Not just seek him, diligently seek him. Are, are you diligently seeking Christ today? Is that your focus? Is that your passion? And again, it's hard because we think, oh, if I have to diligently seek Christ, that means you know, all the fun goes out the window and all my life is kind of this one thing. No, not true. Because see, again, you're believing something wrong about God there. Because when you have your needs met through Christ, you become whole. You become full to overflowing with the Holy Spirit of God. And your life changes in dramatic ways that are positive. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Is God preeminent? Is he the ultimate, ultimate first in your life? Or does he play like a sloppy fourth or fifth? Because that's where he can land a lot of times. God wants to be first in our life. He is supposed to be that. Anything else is an idol. And that's scripture. And that's not me. Jesus is explaining here how the non-believing, yeah, there we go, the non-believing world gets caught up in what they're eating, drinking, and wearing. The right focus for the believer is God's kingdom and his righteousness, which will yield a healthy dependence on God. Seeking him first, trusting him that, you know what? He knows what we need, and when we trust him and when we follow his ways, those things will show up. But instead, we get focused on those things, and we miss 
the depth of relationship with Christ. Jesus also acknowledges that each day has its own set of problems and we should not get cut off in the possibility of what tomorrow may bring. What tomorrow? Worry about tomorrow. Just deal with today. When we seek God first, this world will not feel like home. And our purpose here will be more resolute. Are you comfortable here? Do you want to be here more than with the Lord? Worry. <laughs> are you worrying? As believers, that's not supposed to be part of who we are. I mean, I'm always going to Peter, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Worry remover number one, find your value in Christ. Worry remover number two, strengthen your faith in Christ. Worry remover number three, keep your focus on Christ. We must remember, and we looked at this back at the beginning, what comes naturally is seldom God's way of doing things. What comes naturally makes sense to us is seldom the way things really are. What we naturally value the least is often the most valuable thing of all. And if that's not going to scare you enough, it's funny, I looked at the word, I don't know about you, anybody remember the, the term or word worrywart? Which is a nasty term to me, but worrywart. So I thought, no, okay, does it, is it a real word or is it just one of those crazy things? So I looked it up and dictionary.com says, a worrywart is a person who tends to worry habitually and often needlessly. And interestingly enough, there's a Dr. Scholl's ad for wart freeze away right beside it, which I thought was kind of strange. But Christ does not call us to worry. He calls us to faith. Find your value in Christ. Strengthen your faith in Christ. Keep your focus on Christ. And you will not worry. You will trust. Pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning so thankful at your provision in our life. Lord, you are constantly providing for us. Lord, I ask that your word will transform our minds, that it will change our hearts, that it will move us in such a way that we, we leave, we live, nope, we leave here changed. Lord, we can't just stay the same every day. You call us to change. You call us to transform. You call us to relationship. And that is always emerging. There's always an adjustment there. And Father, I trust that as we look to you, you will guide us in a path that brings honor to you, glory to you, and praises you constantly. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and for how you work. And we trust that for the remainder of this day, we will bring honor and glory to your name with our actions and our attitudes and how we interact with one another. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.